Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on January 28th, 2021. It's already, January is already over. I can't believe this. Um, first, let me take care of the house cleaning aspects of what's been going on here. Uh, tomorrow, don't forget, at 3 o'clock U.S. Central Time, we do have our first fireside uh, vid chat. Now, this is a new format. It will be three hours long, no more. Um, there will be about half an hour of pre-chat. Not, In other words, this will not be the extended, long, in-depth vid chats of the other older formats. Uh, this is uh, a much shorter affair because some members have asked for that. And uh, we're going to give it a try tomorrow. Unlike the other vid chats, this one is already posted. If you have questions or comments, and please remember, folks, uh, to, to keep your comments, questions rather short because we're trying to get as many people uh, on board with it as possible. But post your comments and questions actually as comments in the members area under that vid chat, okay? So you can find it already posted, and then tomorrow when we get ready for the actual chat, I'll post the video link, add the video, pardon me, add the video link to what's already posted. So don't forget that that'll be our first one. And uh, eventually I'm hoping to have that format where we have a theme. So if you have themes to suggest, email me. Uh, I'm toying with the idea of the theme next month of where do we go from here? <laughs> um, so anyway, um, hello to everybody in the chat room. Um, now, today is very interesting. As you know, I've been kind of focused or concerned with the possible geopolitical fallout from this last uh, presidential selection and where the lying circus is going to go next. And uh, there is an interesting, pardon me, I've got bad sinus today. There is an interesting article over at the Saker. Now, I don't, some of you may not know who the Saker is. The Saker is a Russian-American uh, who has very interesting commentary on what's going on globally and with respect to Russia from a Russian perspective. So you may agree or disagree with him. I find myself more often than not in agreement with him. Uh, we, we both uh, share the Russian Orthodox mentality about a lot of things. But he recently came out with an article. This appeared just yesterday. Uh, it was sent to me by a member, so thank you to that member who brought this to my attention. But he recently posted an article just yesterday about the arrest of Navalny, whom you will recall, um, Alexei Navalny, whom you will recall had fled Russia after a conviction for corruption charges and returned and was immediately arrested. And this has now set off protests around Russia. And I suspect that behind these protests, there's something going on, just like the Saker. So his article, I'm linking it, 
along with an article that I'm not going to be talking about actually in the vid chat, but I've linked the article anyway uh, from another Russian about Iraq pulling away from the United States, okay? And I will give you my thoughts about why these countries are pulling away. But here's his article about the arrest of Navalny and the resulting protests, okay? The article's titled, uh, titled Dress Rehearsal of Color Revolution in Russia. This was posted, as I said, just yesterday. And I want to read a few paragraphs from the very beginning and a couple of paragraphs from the middle and one at the very end. So about half of his article here, I, but I include it because I think what he's saying here is worth some deep consideration as to what more to expect. He states, quote, anti-government protests under the pretext of the detention of the notorious Russian opposition leader Navalny took place in various cities across the country. They were characterized by underwhelming attendance, claims of grandeur, and awkward attempts at spreading violence. The protests were immediately endorsed by the Washington establishment. Notably, the United States Embassy in Moscow published detailed times and locations of unsanctioned rallies. Some Western leaders have made direct calls for an escalation of violence. It is expected that the new administration policy regarding Moscow will be even more hawkish. The detention of Alexei Navalny will be simply used as a justification for further aggressive actions against Russia. It fits perfectly with the Washington concept of cultivating an image of an unpredictable and irreconcilable foreign enemy to American values and democracy in general. Yeah, right. All right, now, what I want to draw to your attention here is that statement the United States Embassy in Moscow published the detailed times and locations of the unsanctioned rallies. Now, folks, I'm going to be real honest here and, and tell you what I think is going on. That means these rallies are not spontaneous. These are organized, and probably Washington has a hand in it. And I think the reason that they are deeply involved is because they're doing some geopolitical calculation and know that they're in a bit of trouble. I'll get back to that when we get through the article. So anyway, continuing, quote, reports of attendance vary, with some claiming at least 40,000 gathered in Moscow, with the authorities putting the number at merely 4,000. Others claim that the numbers were somewhere in the middle. Now I'm skipping here to kind of the middle of the article because there's something else I want you to pick up on. It appears that there was little friction among the general population. A notable part of the protesters were likely paid. The core consisted of various unemployed idlers, young city hipsters, liberals, and different minorities. A significant presence was seen from youths and minors who were subjected to a large-scale social media campaign. So in other words, basically what the Saker is implying here is, yes, this was organized, all right? And you can look at the American embassy as possibly uh, being involved and possibly fronting for other Western powers. 
Many videos were released claiming police violence. Every video showed the same situation. An individual rushing towards police and attempting to assault the officers and then getting detained in return. There were no casualties, however, not from the side of the authorities nor from the protesters. Evident attempts were made at causing casualties by involving minors and youths were obviously made, but they failed. Fake news also became the integral part of this anti-government campaign. They were mostly dedicated to alleged killings and incredible numbers of arrests by the authorities. These messages were actively endorsed by mainstream social media, including the Chinese-operated TikTok. While Washington, which prefers to see the Russian, see Russian statehood destroyed, Beijing is also not averse to use the situation for getting additional leverage on the Kremlin to strengthen its own position in joint projects. As a result, the narrative is being constructed as a political persecution. Now I'm skipping all the way to the end. Despite the lack of success in the protests, this was simply a dress rehearsal. It is used to pave the way for large, a large-scale campaign to undermine Russia's stability and compromise its statehood. It seems that the ramping up of the destabilization attempts is scheduled for September of this year, the period of the Russian general election that will include the next legislative election and the election of 12 governors. The liberal opposition has already proven that it is ready even to sacrifice children in order to achieve the ambitions of its sponsors. If the Russian government does not employ preventative measures, these people will easily find large support from Russia's geopolitical opponents, and I would argue and am arguing that they already have found it. The next time the staged anti-government protests can accidentally coincide with industrial disasters, cyber attacks, and even terrorist attacks, unquote. So there you have it. Um... Uh, a good, not solid, but I would say at least good, prima facie case that these protests are also a trial run and that they're coordinated and that the target is the Russian government. In other words, this is a clear case of foreign interference ramping up to an election, namely our interference in Russia. Now, there's a geopolitical reason here why I think this is going on. The first geopolitical reason is if you look at the statements of Russian leaders in the last, I'd say, at least 15 years, which would include Vladimir Putin as the principal spokesman, the Russians have been challenging the notion of a unipolar uh, Pax Americana Anglosphere type of globalism. They have been urging a multipolar world with rule of international law and respect for national culture, for cultural identity, which, of course, we haven't seen very much of from Mr. Globaloni. So in other words, Russia has been one of the principal opponents to the version of Globaloni that we see coming out of the Davos crowd, which incidentally, Russia is 
with China a part of that group, certainly. But their version of globalism is rather different from that we see being advanced by Western leaders. So that's the first thing. The second thing here to note is that it's now becoming evident that there are cracks between Russia and China. In other words, that's not a solid fit with no light pouring through the crack. You can see the light through the crack, which means the crack is reasonably substantial. And I've been predicting this, and you know, I've been saying all along that Russia is not as tightly uh, bound to China as people might think, although financially, of course, China has much larger of an economy than does Russia. But um, I've been arguing that Russia's kind of a hidden player in this quadruple entente that I see and others see emerging. The difference I have with those who are talking about the quad is they're talking about the United States, Japan, India, and Australia as being the quad. In my view, the United States, as, as the last election showed us, is such an untrustworthy partner. Uh, you know, it can't observe the rule of law at home, and it's certainly not observe, observing the rule of law abroad. So our allies are going to be looking at this in the long term. I mean, they're going to continue to say all the normal things that, yeah, we're your great friends, and you're our wonderful ally, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is the geopolitical calculation has changed, and I think dramatically so as a result of this election because you cannot rely on a country whose policy flip-flops as dramatically as we see the United States' policy doing in the last, say, 30 to 50 years. So I think you're seeing yet another manifestation that Russia may be the hidden player in this quadruple entente, uh, playing a very careful balance of power role within that group while trying to keep its... Uh, political channels open with China. And I think I think you're going to see those channels uh, becoming more troublesome to both countries in the future. I think as a result of the American uh, election and the geopolitical fallout, you're going to be seeing increased tensions between Russia and China. Um, so I do expect that you're going to see the exact same policies out of uh, the lying circus in Swampington, D.C. as they continue to vilify Russia, you know, place more sanctions and so on and so forth. Uh, but I think, I think in doing that, they're going to be pushing other countries away from this country. So the geopolitical fallout continues. It has me very concerned, folks. Uh, look at that article about Iraq as well. Uh, we're also hearing warnings from Israel that if the uh, Biden-Nenko administration attempts to patch things up with Iran and reinstitute the nuclear deal, that Israel is threatening to strike, and so on and so forth. So in other words, the geopolitical situation right now, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is very, very volatile. Uh, we're in a very, very dangerous period, and I don't see it's going to slack off anytime soon. Uh, because uh, this country has really ruined its reputation um, and will continue to do so as far as I can see. Anyway, that's my prediction here. Um, 
somebody just said, uh, my cousin, hey, uh, Marty, says the Chinese are buying up ranch land in middle America at three times the value. I hadn't heard that one, but I, I'm not surprised, you know. I, I really am not surprised uh, because, you know, it's easy for them to pick up land on pennies on the dollar when you've thrown half the country <clears throat> out of work uh, for the COVID thing. And now, you know, the, what people also have to realize is this cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline, this is all about who gets to transport the oil? <laughs> it's it's not about the, the Democrats being all wonderfully environmental. It's about who gets to transport the oil, the owners of the pipeline or the owners of railroads. <laughs> and if you're thinking railroads in the United States, think Warren Buffett. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, folks. That's it. Don't forget the Fireside Vid Chat tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time. Uh, this will be our first test experiment, so I hope it goes well. Uh, put your questions and comments in the comments area. Remember, this is a first-come, first-served Vid Chat. So if I don't get to your questions and comments after three hours, sorry. <laughs> Because we're not we're not gonna use these vid chats just to create another long session platform. Anyway, that's it, folks. This one's one to watch. Remember, you were warned by the Saker, watch Russia right around the time of the Russian national elections coming up this September. All right, we'll see you on the flip side, everybody. Bye bye and God bless. <laughs>